0: Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to com. First of all, Adrienne is the greatest uh, partner that the Lord could have ever given me to lead a church. Um, she's an amazing pastor, and so can we just give it up for Pastor Adrienne as well? <laughs> Second, but truly first, would you stand to your feet, because we're going to honor the high priest Jesus right now, the one, come on, make some noise, he's way greater He's way greater. He's way greater. Come on, five, four, three, two, make it loud, What? say Jesus. Oh, have a seat. have a seat. Goodness, I, uh, you, you bandits, you sneaky sausages. I don't even know, oh, you're not supposed to upset me, um, and, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Um, and uh, yeah, I, uh, it's hard, because I, I, I want to be very honoring of that incredible gift, but at the same time, um, Hadrian and I, we we're, we're but we are but um, we are but a very small part of the one who is worthy, the one who is real, the one who is able to do exceedingly above all we can ask, dream, or imagine, the one who can redeem this city, the one who can save the prodigals, the one that can call us all home, who can restore marriages, who can restore bodies, who can cast out demons, who can restore sexuality. Like, we are just a small part of assisting the great cause of the greatest pastor, the high priest Jesus. And so, as grateful as I am, I, I just want to put the focus back on him. Amen. And if you ever find me in a place and I'm not pushing you back to him, there's a problem, okay? And if we see any pastors who, aren't, who are taking any of this, like this is great. And I love that I get to have a, a, little, a little taste of, of honor. I appreciate that. But it's, 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 it's but a nibble and then it's back to him. Amen. I do not drink from the same cup as him. And I want to make sure that we continually put the honor where it's truly most due on him. Amen. So thank you, but Jesus, <laughs> uh, it's far out. Okay, um, well, welcome to Takeover Church. If it's your first time here, we, uh, we get lost in the Lord, and service is over at 5, so get ready. It's going to be great. Um, but uh, yeah, if, uh, if you're grateful to be found in the house of God... Who's here? Who's, who's grateful to be found in the house of God? Amen. Amen. Oh, man, that time of worship, that time we were here, that gift we got to give him. And, and I got to tell you, I don't think as Christians we, we, we are very... Um, I know the Apostle Paul said, like, if you're not going to be sober, get drunk in the Spirit, and I agree. Um, But I think often Christians just aren't sober-minded in general, because even the very fact that you and I, we get to stand in a place, any place, doesn't have to be a church, but any place we go, and we can even utter the words, holy, holy are you, is a gift. Understand today that the fact that you and I, some Gentiles, while his holy chosen people are being assaulted and murdered in the street, Gentiles, the dogs, We get to stand any place at any point in time and we get to acknowledge Him. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's the greatest gift. We are not owed Christianity. We are not owed Jesus. We are not owed this. It is the gift of our lives and I think he will truly begin to shine upon us, to shine in this room and shine in our city when we begin to see him rightly and realize he doesn't owe us a single thing. In fact, he has given us far more than we could ever ask, dream, or imagine. <sighs> Some of us we're, were new to church and we're like, is this guy ever going to settle down? <laughs> no. No, because I've seen Jesus and I've been with Jesus and and, and I've been saved by Jesus. And and I just got to tell you this morning before we move on to the sermon. Yes, thank you for shouting me down, Drew. Uh, I got to tell you, if we love Jesus for any other reason than simply he is Jesus, we have not matured to the place he desires us to be in this hour. I want to encourage you and challenge you all at the same time. If we still only love Jesus because he saved us from our sin, we're not seeing him rightly yet. If we only love Jesus because he repaired our marriages or he saved us from pornography or... He made me feel better, whatever it is, or you think he can give you your dream job. Like if that's if that's we're still loving him primarily because of what he does for us rather than who he truly is, friends, we we've got to mature. I am telling you, in this hour, what is happening in Israel is biblical, it is it is prophetic, and it has been written, a tale as old as time. This was prophesied, and it's happening. And I'm, listen, I'm not the guy who's like, the end is here. I'm not that guy, okay? But we are closer to the end than we've ever been. And I'm telling you, right now is the time, it is the hour to begin to see him rightly. To take up the invitation in this hour. To get our eyes off ourselves, to get our eyes off what we like about church, what we don't like about church, who we like in the church, who we don't like in the church. Whether we love America or we hate America, whether we love the government or we don't like the government, wherever we fall in all of the worldly minutia that's going on. We get our eyes off of everything that is horizontal and we fix our eyes upon Jesus. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory... And grace. And I am telling you, it's there that we belong. It's there that we belong. Amen? Amen. Come on. <sighs> okay, well, this morning we are continuing the stewardship. And it's right on the same track. Like, the Lord doesn't miss. Amen? Like, he don't miss. When he comes, he comes and he does exactly what he wants to do. And it's amazing. And I believe this morning he found a room full of yielded people who are yielding to one and one alone. You're not yielding to Pastor Matt or Pastor Adrienne or Pastor Amy or anybody else with a microphone. We all came here today not to hear them sing or hear me preach or hear her pray. We came here today to hear from the Sovereign Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. And when we come rightly, he comes quickly and we pierce that veil and we don't got to play our favorite song to get the Holy Spirit goosebumps. No, no, no. When he comes, he's our favorite song. He's our favorite message. He's the father's favorite sermon. Amen. So we're going to continue stewarding the word that he gave us for this house for the entire year of 2023 and it is fire upon the earth coming out of Luke 12:49 through 50 where Jesus comes and he makes his mission statement incredibly raw and incredibly clear he says I have come to set fire upon the earth I've come to set fire upon the earth And he would. He would do it already, he says, in that moment, if it were already kindled. If the people were so dry and so ready for a fresh wellspring of life, if they would come rightly, if they were already where I need them to be, I would set them ablaze with my Holy Spirit. I have a baptism that I am desperately waiting to bring so we're going to become those people all 2023, and we are going to be a kindled people in Grand Rapids that he says, yeah, that'll be a burning people, a burning body, and a burning bride. Amen? I don't know why you love Jesus if you don't want to burn for Jesus. I don't know why you love Jesus if you don't want to burn like Jesus. He's the man that Ezekiel describes as fire from the waist up and the waist down. That John says he's got fire in his eyes, and I believe he's looking for a bride who has that same flame because she's been staring at him for so long. Amen. So if you're taking notes, the title of my sermon for week 40. 40, come on, baby. 40 weeks old, baby. Fire upon the earth. Title of my sermon is Redig the Wells of Fire. Redig the Wells of Fire. Redig The wells of fire, we're going to come out of a really obscure verse in the Bible, which I love doing because there's so much meat on the bone. The Bible's better than you and I know that it is, amen? All right, coming out of Genesis, Genesis 26, 17 through 33, it'll be on the Sky Bible. And uh, man, can we just give it up for Jen and birthday boy Kenny G back there? Come on, thanks for holding it down, fam. Genesis 26, 17 through 33, Oh, here we go. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar. And he settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. They stopped up and he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac... And his servants dug in the valley and found their wellspring of water. The herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of well Essek. And because they contended with him, then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also. So he called it Sitna. And he moved from there, and he dug another well. They did not quarrel over it, so he called its name Rehoboth, saying, For now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in this land. From there he went up to Beersheba and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and I will bless you and I will multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. And so he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and he pitched his tent there and Isaac's servants dug a well. And when Abimech went to him from Gerar and Huzeta. These names all are terrible. His advisor, which (laughs) the commander of his army, Isaac said to them, why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? They said, we see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make covenant with you that you will do us no harm just as we have not touched you and have done nothing wrong but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. He made them a feast, and they ate and they drank. And in the morning they rose early and exchanged oaths. And Isaac sent them on their way, and they departed from him in peace. And that same day Isaac's servants came and told him about the well that they had dug and said to him, We have found water. And he called it Sheba. Therefore the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. We're going to pray. And we're going to see what the Lord will do. Does that sound good? Come on. Father, Father, we love you. Father, we love you. Father, I have an ask today. Father, I have an ask. And I ask, Lord, you've done so much already in this room this morning. You've done so much, God. But, but I've got to ask, Lord. I've got to ask you, Father. What's it going to take? What's it going to take, Father. What is it going to take, Lord, for you to pour out your spirit on a people that when Jesus is sitting on the throne, he says, I can't wait till my bride arrives at this place, at this point of faith, at this point of time, believing for these things, crying out these prayers, sowing these tears, and then you'll send your spirit in such a measure that we've not yet seen. Father, what's it going to take? What's it going to take? Because, Father, I I stand before you and I mean it. I mean it, Father. I mean it. Hear me. I'll pay the price. We will pay the price, God. Father, we'll pay the price. If you will pour out your Spirit in West Michigan, in the Northwest, in this region, God. If filled churches are in your heart. If worship in the streets is in your heart, if filled stadiums is in your heart, from Van Andel to the big house to Detroit Ford Field, God, if it's in your heart, God, we will pay the price. We'll pay the price. There is no cost that we need to count because it's you. It's you. It's you. So, Father, I pray today that as individuals and as a collective, Father, today I pray that we would all leave this place asking the question, what will it take? That it wouldn't rest on pastors alone, but it would be on the priestly nation that you have purchased and and edified and built up and constructed and burned for yourself. But we as a collective and we as individuals, God, we would begin to ask the question, what will it take? What will it take for the outpouring that is in the son's heart while he sits upon his throne? God, I know you have desires for this area, for this church, for this place. So, Father, what will it take? And you will find a yielded people in a warehouse with concrete floors, two bathrooms, the most ragtag misfit thing ever to be called a church. And we will pay it. Because you, you are worthy of it all. So come tell us what an outpouring requires and may you find us kindled and ready to pay it in jesus mighty name of faith-filled church said amen Ah, redig the wells of fire redig the wells of fire redig the wells of fire if you've been with us for a stretch of time now um and i say this because i know some of us are new this morning and um i want to i want to say a couple things real quick um I know that I'm in my 30s, and I know that that means, um, you know, what you see up here is kind of what you're going to get down there. Like, you're going to attract what you are kind of a thing. I get that, right? Um, That's just human culture. Um, But I actively reject that. (laughs) I reject that. Um, There's better. There's more. And I want to say, young people, listen, old men for wisdom, young men for war. We need each other. And so I don't want to continue coming to this house and coming to the presence of the Lord and then seeing a mass segregation between the old and the young. I'm telling you, young people, there are great wells of marriages in this house, of purity, of longevity, of uh, financial wisdom, of instilling Bible doctrine in your family like here in this room. If you're older, there is zeal in this room that will gas you up, light you up, and encourage you to come up. Amen? Like, we need each other. And so i got to put all of us on notice, young and old alike, we need to be together. Amen? I don't believe in a, a church that's separated by demographics and ages. No. I need you. You need me. And we all need Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's 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 move then. So if you've been with us for any stretch of time, you know that I've been absolutely wrecked by this verse in Ezekiel and Ezekiel he has this vision and he's talking about the depths and he's saying that there is a depth of God that when the river, of the spirit of God begins to run, there are there are proper ways that he wants to flow. Like he can't come up a bank because, because you have raised yourself up too much, too long, for too, too great of a time that he can't just go and pour himself over you or onto you or through you. And then some of us, which we're going to talk about today is we are damned up in the truest sense of the world. We are damned up. We have we have stopped up. We've been blocked up. Some of us we have just put filth in the gutter, and we have taken a holy land, a holy well, and we have stopped it up with so much sin and chaos and confusion and terrible relationships and terrible decisions and terrible doctrine and theology and terrible churches and history, and we have just stopped up this thing. And he's like, I, I want to move, but you got too much in the way. And then there's this low place. There's this low place where the Spirit of the Lord, he, he loves to run to the low places. He loves to go to the depths. So much so that we see time and time again, Scripture says, deep cries out to deep. The Holy Spirit in us, the depths of us, call out and cry out to the depths of our God. And so the Lord, he just made it clear, he, he, he likes digging deep. He likes digging deep. And we live in a really strange hour in the world, but nothing surprises God. Even if you and I, we turn on Fox News or CNN or Daily Wire or whatever your news outlet of, of, of choice is, he's not surprised by any of this, even when his holy land is under attack. like He's not surprised by any of this. He's made plans, he's made assurances, and chief among them is Lord Jesus. And so he's not surprised by all these things that are going on, but, but I think sometimes what is concerning to our Lord is that perhaps when we live in a time and place where it seems like the entire world is so, they are so concerned with digging to the depths of their depravity, and yet we have a church that seems moderately to mildly concerned with digging to the depths of holiness. I think we can look at the church today and we can say, Are are we as are we as committed to digging to the depths of our sanctification, of our holiness, of our purity, of the depths of God? As the world is concerned with going to the depths of sin and depravity and wickedness. Like I don't even think that our pursuit of holiness should even rival theirs. We should blow them away. I believe in the heart of Jesus there is a beautiful bride and she may be few. She may be few. It's not my place in judgment to sit in Grand Rapids and point at other houses and deem them not going the same speed or the same dips or the same places that you and I are going. I don't sit in the seat of judgment. That's Jesus' place. But where I do sit is below the altar of this house that God has called me to come and burn in front of you and upon you and along you and with you and for you, and we are to contend for greater things than even Jesus did himself. And friends, I've got to tell you, that's not in quantity and quality and so there are depths there are depths in God and we can see all throughout scripture and I just imagine Jesus is on his throne and he's just like I can't wait till she's ready to go to my favorite places in you where Jesus just looks to his father and says I can't wait until she is ready to go with me to the depths of you my favorite places You think Jesus' favorite place with God is the outer courts? No, no, no. Jesus longs for the holies of holies. Jesus longs to find himself in the depths of God. Amen. When we see him praying between himself, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, what is it? It is the most depth, deep, sunken in prayers you've ever heard someone pray. And he says such ridiculous things like, Father, as you've loved me? I love them, talking about you and me. And now we're, we're all just so religious and we've been raised up in Christianity and we come in a Christian nation and so we live in a time and place where we don't think about that as, as, as being as weighty or as deep as it actually is. But do you understand that Jesus proclaims before his Father through the Holy Spirit, I love them as you love me. And that's just passe to you and me? That's just, yeah, good word, Jesus. Here's 20 bucks, great service. What? See, we've we've gotten so surface level because so much has been stopped up that truthfully, when a well is stopped up, friends, the land becomes barren. When the well gets stopped up, the land becomes barren. Because his goal isn't to simply have great deep wells, but great deep wells with an irrigation system, with some reserves, with a reservoir of cisterns that it would spread out and it would go out and it would continue to pour out and we would go deep and we would go out and we would go wide and we would go deep again and we'd go out and we'd go wide and we'd go deep again and we would dig an irrigation system of the kingdom of heaven here and now. That is his goal. But we live in a time and place where so much has been damned up, friends. I'm not cussing, it's an actual word, okay? It's an actual word. Hear me. Let's just get past the religious part. It's been damned up. And we have stopped up and we have cluttered and we have put in all of these things and I am telling you friends we cannot pass along to the next generation should there be a next generation we cannot pass along a barren kingdom because the kingdom of God is no kingdom of God if it is a barren land. I said the kingdom of God is no kingdom of God if it is a barren land. We we are stewards we are sons we are daughters we have been gifted and we have been given and there is an invitation in this hour to not just appeal to the depths of God but purvey into the depths of God to pierce in and sink deep and go to places friends that maybe we haven't seen for a couple thousands years see, there used to be this, there used to be this well of fire. And then around 300 AD, it it, it got stopped up and dammed up and blocked up. and Because of something that appeared to be so great for the church took place, but what appeared to be great for the church was actually very harmful to the church because all of a sudden the church had a new messiah. The church had a new Lord. The church had replaced Christ for a season. And and they welcomed a man named Constantine. See, about 300 years after the death of Jesus, there was an emperor in Rome. This is world history, friends. This is Bible history all together, okay? It's not a mythological book. This all happened. (laughs) You see, Constantine, he, he came in and he liked jesus now i i i will save the, the judgment seat on this one for jesus cuz i i don't know if he was actually saved or not but he proclaimed to be a christian he proclaimed to be a christian and i know that it's it's almost a oh, little man just fell uh, i know that it's almost impossible for a good man to be king right because of politics, because of the things that have to go into it, because of all the shiftiness and dodginess and all the things that happen. And it's a lot. And i love it if there was a, a Christian king, a Christian emperor, but I don't, I don't know how entirely possible that is because Jesus didn't come to rule but to serve. And so I want Christians in politics, and this isn't really even where I'm going with this, I want Christians in politics to protect the, the most vulnerable to uphold God's ancient rules and ancient laws. I want, I want that to take place in our nation. However, we are running the risk right now of going into the same place that the early church brothers and sisters found themselves, where Constantine became emperor and all of a sudden for 300 years Christians were murdered and martyred and persecuted and pursued and they were put in the Colosseum they were forced to fight lions and tigers and other gladiators and they were slaves and literally like these are what you and I come from men and women who actually had skin in the game they would get ripped by tigers and you and I we're worried about getting ripped by a coworker <laughs> surface surface and so what happened 300 AD is is all of a sudden the the well of fire got stopped up because the urgency of the hour was pacified it was nursed to sleep because Constantine comes in and he outlawed persecution of Christianity and the church rejoiced rightfully so I mean you're not looking over your back anymore like I get why this appeared to be a good thing But suddenly, the cost of following Christ became a whole lot less. And when the cost to follow Christ became a whole lot less, what ended up happening was no longer was the confession of faith protected. No longer was the baptism lived out in community, and the community had to approve your baptism. We didn't just have baptism services, which I love. I think it's amazing. I love that we do that here. But what I'm saying is, at one point in time, Friends, everything was sacred and everything was protected from baptism to services to theology and doctrine. Everything was guarded because Jesus and his truth was worth guarding it with your life. They would meet in secret. Why? Because they had to know who was in the room so that a Roman guard wouldn't get in and kill the priest, kill the pastor. And so going out and evangelizing was an actual practice of the church at the time because you had to go out to bring in. But all of a sudden when Constantine took over and the urgency left the church, the cost to follow Christ got discounted. All of a sudden Dollar Tree Christianity came into being. And this is why the early church fathers would run into the desert, the monastic mothers and fathers, to protect the word of God, to take the gospel and remember it mentally. They would take the word of God and they would recite it to each other by verbiage, by speaking, so that they could remember it, so that in case it got politicized and in case it got put into state legislation, so that in case it got manipulated by a man in too high of a place. The truth of Jesus could live out. The unadulterated, unfiltered, raw, real truth of Jesus. Well, Pastor Matt, what does this have to do with redigging wells of fire? It has everything to do with it. Because it's around this time, friends, that heresy got into the church because anybody could kind of be a pastor. It's at this point where anybody could host a house meeting or rent a temple, or they could, it, it, all of a sudden, the church was a free for all. And see, we've got to talk about church history because you and I, we've got to realize we, we don't want to go back there. Because there's a very real opportunity in you and I's lifetime right now. To redig the wells of fire that our ancestors allowed to be stopped up, dammed up, and blocked up, friends. You and I, we have a responsibility to dig again the wells of fire. You see, there are things in the heart of Jesus that are not shared in the heart of his bride and that needs to change that needs to change you see this was at one point more than just a a community communal gathering of like-minded individuals No, no 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 it was people who came yielded and ready for God to move and then when God moved they got on their face When God moved, they couldn't even preach. When God moved, they stopped the instruments and they just looked so silly just standing there. And if you are an onlooker or you're new and you're like, this is real. This is real. Like this is what he actually does. He comes in the room and he takes over. He comes in the room and he takes control. He comes in the room and he stops every man-made effort And he's just here, and he's our joy, and he's our pleasure. And we're willing to stay through hunger, through allegiances, through distractions, through anything. Because this moment, when he comes in the room, it is greater than any moment that can take place outside of this room. And so you and I, we have a place there's something happening right now in the earth that the lord is speaking to his bride there is a divine invitation friends to redig wells redig the wells of our fathers because at one point in time our fathers like the church fathers they believed the word of god And because they believed the word of God, they spoke the word of God, they lived the word of God, and they saw the word of God. And all of a sudden, what seems like great fiction to you and I, great Tolkien writings of days of old, all of a sudden becomes you and I's reality reality where we don't take sickness laying down, where we don't take defeat laying down, where we don't take demons and submit to their will, where we don't allow the things of this world to rule in the place of the church. No, friends, instead, we see the church go into the world and the things of the church, a.k.a. the Holy Spirit, begins to take over the world. So what does this have to do with Isaac. Well, Isaac's the man. <laughs> if you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about Isaac's sons, Jacob and Esau, and that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? We talked about that, and we talked about how Isaac was the promised son to Abraham. And obviously, we know that he slept with his servant girl and had Ishmael. And Well, actually, you can look at a very, very recent, as of yesterday, world event, and you can look at what happens when Isaac and Ishmael go to war. All of a sudden, this goes from being a really nice book to reality, doesn't it? The second we see, literally 5,000 years ago, okay, Isaac Nishmil battling it out right now. It's real. And so all of a sudden, we see this moment in. And Abraham is passing and he says to Isaac, he says, you need to go. And the Lord says to Isaac, go into the land that I have set apart for you. Go into the land that I have set apart for you. Not, not, not the promised land. Not where we saw them venturing into. He goes like, where I will direct you. You see, before we ever get to the point of digging wells, before we ever get to the point of going back, if we ever, before we ever get to the point of digging into the things that are hotbeds and places and promises of God, we need to readjust real quick and realize we go where he says to go. We go where he says to go. and We don't only just go where he says to go, we do what he says to do once we arrive there. You see, something is missing in the church where suddenly we have found ourselves making our own decisions. The last time I checked, Matt is not Lord and Savior of Matt's life. Last time I checked, I had a debt that I could not pay. Last time I checked, I had no relationship with the Father outside of Jesus. And so all of a sudden, friends, we got to begin to reevaluate. this thing isn't so much about you and me as it is much about the great I am. It's about Him. It's not about you and I going to the perfect place that will never offend us, the perfect place who ends right on time, the perfect place that's all dressed up, buttoned up, looking good. No, no, no. We go where He calls us to go. You see, this, 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 I love 501c3, I love institutions, I love organizations. Jesus is establishing a living organism known as a bride. She happens to take place in an organization, but he did not die for an organization, he died for an organism. I appreciate anybody this morning. We got to begin to reevaluate this. This isn't this isn't about the veneer of church, the veneer of Western Christianity, the veneer of the American church. No, no, no. this is about an ancient church, an ancient people, an ancient God with ancient ways, with ancient rules, with ancient laws, and ancient blood that is still covering. Amen? And then from there, he fills you with an ancient spirit that hovered above this earth long before we ever had an organization. You see, we've, we've got to begin to reevaluate when God says, Isaac, go into Gerar. Go into Gerar. i got to imagine Isaac was going, don't you mean the promised land? <laughs> don't you mean where you promised Abraham? Don't you mean the places that you told my father to go and occupy? Don't you mean what you've always said? And he goes, no, 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 I will keep my promise to you because of my promise towards your father. However, what I have for you, well, it's not what I had for Abraham. It's what I have for you. And see, there's this interplay that begins to happen between God and his people, which you and I have been adopted into, praise God, reborn into, praise God. I'm so grateful for that. But all of a sudden, it's its, it's no longer about This idea of what we have for church, it's about being the church. It's about going into a land. It's about going where he says for us to go. And it's about obeying and it's about listening. Because all of a sudden, once we arrive in that place, we realize he has things for us in that place. There's work to be done in that place. There is a place for you and I that he has prepared for us. That doesn't look like what we thought it would look like. But his hand is very much there. His call is very much there. He is very much there. And so all of a sudden, you and I, we, we move past our own selfish motivations and ideas. All of the things we think that we're going to do. And we get in tune with what God wants to do. Can you imagine being Isaac and he's like, okay, I'm going to go to Gerard, I guess. Where you say, Lord, you saved me with a ram in the thicket. Like, you got my life. <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> Where you? My dad was going to kill me because of you. I'm going. And all of a sudden, he arrives in Gerar. And, and what is God's promise? God's promise is dig. Dig. Wait. What do you mean, dig? <laughs> you mean there's not going to be women and riches and houses and cool cars and promotion and like nothing here is instagrammable it, it is barren <laughs> yeah but if you know anything about god you don't you never inherit barrenness if you know anything about god you never inherit barrenness even if he calls you to a place of barrenness your inheritance is never marked by barrenness. I will not preach to anybody this morning. I feel like that's a word for some of us, and I don't mean just like this self-help, help me get through this barren season Christianity. No, no, no. I mean like dig beyond the self-help surface level Christianity that we have been spoon-fed for 50 years, friends, and move into the place of true spiritual life. Where suddenly the depths of God, friends, isn't reserved for those who are losing their minds up here. But it's actually available to every single one of us, no matter where we choose to rest our feet for the service. And it is available to you and I. You don't have to be me up here. You can be you back there. Equally, if not more so, my dream would be more so. You losing your ever-loving mind because you have an ever-loving Jesus. I appreciate anybody this morning. You see, this goes beyond. We've got to dig deeper. And all of a sudden, Isaac's like, I'm here. You've called me. This is not what you had for my dad. Now you want me to dig. What am I digging? What is the point? And he says, no, 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 no. You're going to dig the wells of Abraham. And what I love is that he says, dig again. The wells of Abraham. Hear me today. Where I'm about to go is going to be twofold. It's going to be personal for you and prophetic for us. Personal for you, prophetic for us. Personal for you, prophetic for us. Amen. Hear me. Dig again the wells of Abraham. What does that mean? That means Abraham, his father, has already dug these wells. The very word again means that Abraham had already come and tapped into something in this land. Are you hearing me? Friends. It says the Canaanites stopped them up, damned them up. We're gonna pause right there. What I'm about to say is dangerous. I recognize that. I understand that. And that's why I'm calling it out right now. But how many of you know, just because it's dangerous doesn't mean it's the Lord? And how many of you know, just because it's dangerous, it doesn't mean it's not the Lord, okay? People who make counterfeit, they don't counterfeit pennies. Okay, they counterfeit $100 bills, y'all. Why? Because they're not trying to pass something small off. They're trying to counterfeit and manipulate something big. Some of us in this place, let's talk about you for a second. Some of us, you have wells in your life that you don't even recognize as wells because something, somewhere, at some point in time, when it was in your fathers, your grandfathers, your great-grandfathers, someone before you's possession, they allowed it to get stopped up. They allowed it to get damned up. They allowed it to get blocked up. I am talking about generational curses. This is why I said it was dangerous. Because the second you and I in this world today, in the church today even, we start talking about generational curses, healings, or demons, all of a sudden, right, everything's a generational curse, nothing's a generational curse, everything's a demon, nothing's a demon. When we get ourselves in this place, and it's like, no, 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 no. There's equally human stupidity, <laughs> okay, you and I, we make terrible decisions. We're sinful beings in desperate need of Jesus and on our way to living sinful, uh, sin-free lives. Amen. It's the game plan. I actually believe that, by the way. I, I don't believe Jesus paid for you and I to be full of sin until the day we died. I don't believe that's what the blood covers. Okay? Kill that. Because if your watermark for your life is that I'm always going to be sinful, you're right. But if the watermark for your life is the blood of Jesus, you're right. You're right. But hear me. This is why I said this is dangerous because you and I, we can live in a time and place. We can live in such a way where all of a sudden we start blaming everything on generational curses. We start blaming things on people in our past. In the world, they want to call this all of this new ageism and all these things. And I'm telling you, everything the world starts to take from the Bible is counterfeit because they want to put it on rocks, they want to put it on chakras, they want to part, they want to put it on going to a mountaintop and drinking from a specific well and hanging upside down, kissing a stone that everyone pees on in Ireland, and just like, you know what I mean? It's called the Blarney Stone, if you don't know. It's true, they pee on it. Anyways, it's gross. Apparently it gives you good luck if you kiss it. But what I'm saying is the world takes these things that are very true in Christianity, that are really true in the Word of God, that are really true in the well that you and I come from. And they love to counterfeit them, they love to mud it up, but the problem is they will counterfeit, they will jam it, they will gutter it up, they will dam it down for you and I. And all of a sudden when we decide to take the bait, what happens We're not getting free of what has kept us hidden and kept us in bondage. Instead, we're going further into hiddenness, further into darkness, further into bondage, because we aren't breaking curses the way Jesus says to break curses. I think one of the wells, friends, one of the wells that has been jammed up for you and I has a really really staunch word, but you and I have been very passe towards it. It's called repentance. It's called repentance. We hear that a lot in this church. Why? Because it's in the Bible a lot. And Jesus literally says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Why is the kingdom of God is at hand? It's because the king is at hand. The kingdom goes where the king goes. The kingdom comes where the king goes. Amen. Wherever Jesus is, his kingdom is there. Amen. And he says, repent. Why? Because we can't come as we are. Blocked up, jammed up, damned up. There's a way to come to him and it's coming in repentance. And this well, I am telling you, Man, your fathers and your grandfathers and your great-grandfathers and your mothers and your grandmothers and your great-grandmothers, they may not have the chance, if they're no longer living, to renounce and repent for some things that have taken place in their lives, have been taken from them in their lives, have been relinquished and forfeited in their lives. So all of a sudden, this well over your family, this plan for your family, if you look throughout all of the Bible, guess what God does? He moves through families. He moves through men. He moves through women. And he moves on to their children. Jesus even says, listen, if you get saved, your whole household's getting saved. Why? Because I move through families. Literally, family is God's first governmental system. God longs to rule through families. You and I, we get this all messed up. That's why we don't have a babysitting system back there. That's why we don't do this. We don't play the babysit game. We are raising up Holy Spirit lightweights that will grow into heavyweights, okay? That's what we're doing. They are cruiserweights back there, flying around maniacs. But one day, they're going to be sanctified, holy, and casting out devils. I can't wait. But that's why we do this. Why? Because God's first governmental system was the family. And listen, man, I come from the worst family, okay? I get that. But I'm telling you, Adrian and I had a powerful time a couple months ago together by ourselves. I think it was a Thursday night in our home crying and weeping together, taking communion. And what were we doing? We were digging up some wells in our history, wells that we had stopped up ourselves And wells that our families had stopped up long before us. Things that we knew of and heard about and saw growing up that we did not want to carry on. That if we wanted to pierce the veil, if we wanted to dig deep into the things of God, if we wanted to go places in Him, we've not gone before. There were things that had to be out the way and removed so that we could taste the wellspring of life. And I'm telling you, it's the same thing for you. I am telling you there are things in your people's history, your people's past, that have laid claim to your life and your future and your children and your children's children. If you don't think that blessing song from Psalms that we all love to sing, right? May his face shine upon you and your children and your children and your children's children, that whole part, we love that song. You don't think the devil's curses are the same? You don't think sin loves to follow generational lines? God is blessing generations you don't think the devil is going to curse them I'm sorry whatever God starts the devil opposes every single time why because he does not want him to win and so you and I we've got to understand But God tells Isaac, he says, dig again the wells. Dig again the wells. That means Abraham dug these wells. It benefited Abraham while he was there. God was able to move in Abraham's life, nurture Abraham's life. That land was not barren when Abraham had dug it before. But Abraham took his eyes off the wells. And Canaanites, the enemy was able to move in, stop up, dam up, the wells. And all of a sudden, what God had for Isaac was barren because what God had given to Abraham was not stewarded. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Some of us, at the end of service today, it's going to be my encouragement it's going to be my encouragement that we come up here to the altar and we begin to dig again the wells because I'm telling you, there are promises on your family, even if your family, even if you're the first Christian in your entire family like I am. There was a great revivalist in my family in like the 1800s. Literally, just found it out not too long ago. And generations to generations to generations to generations that did not carry on, that was not pushed forward, that was not pursued. In fact, the day that I came to know Jesus, my mother laughed on the phone like, you're gonna go to church? (laughs) Yeah. Little did I know there was truly a better father than mine. And I'm telling you, friends, it is your duty right now to begin to dig those wells of your people wells of your family you are God's governmental system to your children how God rules and reigns in your future is by by the wells that you begin to dig again we cannot pass on to the next generation a barren land and then prophetically We have our church fathers who saw great and mighty works. And whether it was at Constantine or over the last number of years, seeker-friendly Christianity, church built around you, seek and save the lost, equip some of the saints some of the time, and we'll acknowledge God at least once a service. Like, at some point in our history, the wellspring of life, Jesus Christ, and what he said he came to accomplish in the earth. Someone took their eye off the well, and the enemy was able to stop it up, dam it up, and jam it up, friends, with Satanism, with heresy, with all of these things that are being perpetuated. Uh, Uh, that's not the word I'm looking for. But anyways, lies are being spread all throughout the last number of years about what's available to the sons, what's available to the daughters, what's available to the kingdom of God, what he actually meant when he said X, Y, and Z, what he hoped to accomplish. Friends, I'm telling you prophetically, there was a time, worship team, you can make your way up here, there was a time, friends, when the miraculous wasn't miraculous it was the nature of the kingdom and by nature of the kingdom it was the nature of those who were apart and belonged to the kingdom there was a time when tears were normal in church and it wasn't because someone was desperately and deeply found in sin and guilty of so much but instead they were welcomed home and we were experiencing majesty for the first time true beauty for the first time suddenly we weren't just oh that's the weird church with the flags and the worship that goes on forever and the crazy preachers no everybody every church whether you were to rome in ephesus asia minor jerusalem it didn't matter why because the spirit of god was moving amongst his temples moving amongst his people and he wasn't jammed up, and he wasn't stopped up, and he wasn't backed up, and he wasn't in need of being re-dug again. No, the fire flowed freely. The fire flowed freely. The fire flowed freely. Friends, could you even say, honestly, the fire flows freely in your life? Forget about corporately, individually. Does the fire flow freely in your life? Does the fire flow freely in your life? See, what ends up happening is Isaac begins to dig these wells and he runs into some trouble here and some trouble there and then he gets to this one well and They're able to dig, and there's no aversion to it. He finds the place that God led him to. This well, this well I have for you. I hear him saying that to us this morning. This well I have for you. This well I have for you. All adversity does not mean that God isn't in it, but there are some wells that we have tried to tap in our lives that God's like, listen, I'm not in that. but this well I have for you. And when we come across the well that he has for us, when we come across the well that flows freely with fire, when we come across the well, what will our response be? Because Isaac's response in this moment is what? He builds an altar there. He builds an altar there. Suddenly there's peace in the midst of chaos, all adversity ceases, oaths of peace are made between contending tribes and contending people, and people at odds. All of a sudden the peace of God invades the land. This will I have for you. He said, so what is Isaac's good and perfect response? He builds him an altar. <laughs> What's an altar? It's a place of obedience and sacrifice. It's a place of offering. this well is what you have for me this is where I will be he pitches a tent (laughs) he's like I will build an altar for you a home for you and I will build my home onto and next to and unto your home I will build you an altar to come and burn upon come and visit come and reside come and habitate I will build you a habitation and right next to your habitation I will build my habitation this is the well you have for me I will dig again and I will dig again and I will dig again until the fire flows freely and when the fire flows freely I will build an altar for it to to burn upon I will build an altar for it to burn upon and then I will build a home for it to burn next to I will build my life around your well your altar, your wellspring, your life whom you are, your presence I will build it there You see, friends, I am telling you, the well he has for you, it may be stopped up by mom and dad, but that stops with you. It may have been jammed up by generations before you that have since gone on to be with the Lord or unfortunately gone on to be with the enemy. But that well gets unblocked by you. The fire begins to flow freely through you. so many lives that are marked in this room by generational blessing and there's so many lives in this room that are marked by generational curses not everything's a curse but I am telling you if you feel like I am just trying to tap this well tap this well tap this well and you are earnestly pursuing the wellspring of life named Jesus As you keep running up against blockade and blockade and blockade and blockade and blockade and blockade and blockade. blockade. If it's in your sexuality, if it's in your depression, if it's in your mind, if it's in alcoholism, if it's suicidal. If it's gambling, a love of money, a lust of manna. Whatever it is. Today's the day we begin to dig those wells. And we realize that generational blessings belong to those that are reborn again in the kingdom of God. And generational curses don't stand a chance against the generational resurrecting blood of Jesus. Appreciate anybody this morning? The fire is gonna flow freely this morning. Would you stand? The fire is gonna flow freely this morning. Here's what I want us to do. What we do in these next few moments is paramount to you and I's success as Christians. Because what happens after this is Abraham, he sends out a servant. Or not Abraham, sorry. Isaac sends out a servant. And the servant sends him back a rapport. And he says, We hit water. He says, We hit water. We hit water. Today, I believe the great praise at the end of this morning is going to be, we hit water. I hit water. I found the wellspring of life. Hear me. Y'all know the story of the Sumerian woman at the well? Did you know that well is Jacob's well? Who's Jacob? Isaac's son. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? so Jesus makes a beeline to an area that Jews aren't usually welcome into to find a woman who's had five husbands and a uh, live-in boyfriend who goes out in the middle of the day when nobody else is there at the time it's the hottest it can be so that she could be alone so she will not be judged and she will not be stoned to death and Jesus goes and meets her at a well that Isaac dug that Abraham had initially established and Isaac passed on to his son Jacob so much so that though it may have fell into enemy territory the Samaritans once again it was not stopped up and it was a place that the son of God could move freely the fire could flow freely and what happens A Samaritan woman, steeped in shame, goes with Jesus and leads a two-day revival in a land of Samaria where Jews shouldn't be allowed to go. The Bible's better than you think it is. The Bible's better than you know it is. All of it works together. All of it plays together. All of it is writing this grand narrative story through humans. And the part that Jesus is dialing in on for you and I this morning is that you and I, we've got some wells to dig again in this land that he has called us to go. Every single one of us. And so we're going to sing. And I want to dig wells that go beyond our generation. I want to dig wells that go beyond this moment. You see, I find it very hard to understand how we can come here Sunday in and Sunday out experience the goodness of God in the land of the living and then somehow go back to stopped up wells to damned up lives, jammed up lives because he comes and he falls and he moves and he flows freely but then something happens outside those doors that dams him up, jams him up, and stops him up. But today I want to be able to send you out like, Jay, like Isaac did his servants. And I want to hear a report come next week. We hit water. We hit water. The fire froze freely because we hit water. Is this landing this morning, we're gonna dig again the wells of fire. So what we're gonna do is this, I'm gonna pray. And here's what I want to have happen. I want you to get out of your seat. And I don't just mean come to this altar. I mean, I want you to lose the safety of the seat in front of you and the seat behind you. I want you to take your takeover seatbelt off. This place did not come with seatbelts attached. You brought that with you. And that is a jam and a damned up seatbelt that is keeping you from the promises of God today. So what do I mean? Yes. The altar is going to be open freely for you to come and dig. But if you need to go dig over there, if you need to go dig back there, if you need to go dig here, if you need to go dig in the upper room, if you need to dig over here, you go and dig. You get out of your seat. You lose all safety. You go to the land where he has called you and you go and you dig again the wells of the early church, the wells of Jesus Christ, the wells of the cross, the wells of Calvary, the wells of the scars on the back of Jesus. You go and you dig again the wells of our Father because he went to great lengths to dig a well called Pentecost for you and I. It took sending nails through a sun like shovels into ground. And what he dug out of Jesus, he poured out for you and I. And I am tired of allowing the last thousands of years to stop up these wells. Not here, not now, not in Michigan, not never again. So the worship team is going to sing, I'm going to pray, and I want to see you get out of your seats. I want to see you move where he says to move. And if someone prays over you, let him pray over you, but you begin to dig this morning. So Father, I thank you. I thank you right now that we don't serve the God of comfort. We serve the God of crucifixion. We serve the God who says, crucify thy flesh and follow me. And so God, right now, as we begin to do that, as we begin to crucify our flesh by getting out of our comfort zones, getting out of our seats, getting out of who's next to us that we're comfortable with or that we came with, God, and we go and we just abandon ourselves in you, Lord. I'm telling you right now, some of you are debating whether to listen to me or not. You may get out of your seat and nothing may happen. But you also may get out of your seat and everything changes. That's what's at risk this moment. So Father, I pray again. Father, come show us where to dig. Show us where to dig in this room and show us where to dig in our hearts. Show us where to dig in our minds. Show us where to dig in our families, in our generations. God, I believe prophetically right now, Lord, there are wells that are being highlighted and illuminated in this room and in our lives, in our history. I am telling you, there are wells of faithful marriages available. Divorce, you don't have to settle for. There are wells of right sexuality, young men young woman you don't have to keep going to a well that is blocked up and jammed up that will cost you more. There are wells right now being illuminated in this room where hearts are being healed because for whatever reason your family settled for being brokenhearted, downtrodden, depressed, pill-ridden, owned by Big Pharma. And I'm telling you right now, all narcotics are bending a knee to Jesus. All alcohol is being dumped. All the wells are being dug up. Oh, that well of abuse that you come from because your grandfather was abusive and your grandmother was abusive and so on and so forth and all of a sudden your life has been marked by abuse. Oh, we're digging up abuse. Oh, I see sexual abuse being dug up right now. Sexual abuse is being dug up right now. People have paid to have sex with you. You have been trafficked, and right now God is saying, I'm digging it up. Put the shovel of your life in my hand. Let me dig again the wells. Right now the religious mind is being offended that a pastor in a church is talking about these things from the platform. The well of religion is being dug out in you right now. The well of a religious spirit is being dug up. Right now the seat of judgment in the room is being uprooted and thrown out right now we are sitting in a seat of judgment we are establishing an altar in this place before the lord where the will of our lord the fire flows freely i see i see people who have been raised in the reformed church who thought that miracles ceased at the day the apostle paul died right now the Lord the Lord is trying to dig out your tongue the Lord is trying to get the fire to fall but he knows the well of religion all too well he knows that there is a prophetic well available for you but you've got too much Pharisee in your well right now for it to flow and God is saying to you Dig again, dig again, look again. Dig into my word again to see that tongues is for you. Dig into my word again to see that healing is for today. Dig again and say demons didn't just leave because the church shut up. Demons actually went forward because the church wasn't talking about them. Right now, there are wells being highlighted all over this room. I see a young man who's got long shaggy hair, you're here alone. And the Lord is calling you to fall flat on your face at the altar up here where you're gonna leave your lonesome, lone ranger, come alone guy mentality and you are gonna leave with a brotherhood of men around you today, with real friends around you today who are going to pursue you and pick you up and place you where you belong next to Jesus in heavenly places. He's pushing past everything. All of the junk. All of the broken homes and broken places. All of the sinful moments. All of the things that have separated you from God's destiny and calling. It's being broke loose right now. there's a groan in this room whether you know it or not the depths are calling out to you and this is a living invitation this is a standing invitation this is an invitation for the rest of your life there are caverns in our family's history that the Lord is inviting you to go cave diving into this afternoon. And as you plummet to the depths of your history of where you come from of your people as you pull that stuff out as you go eventually beyond all of the pain and the hard things to acknowledge and the lack of faith and the doubt that you've had on the journey, you will find yourself in the purest of places where his voice is no longer the still small voice, but it echoes, it echoes in the waters, it echoes in that cave, and it's calling out to you, there's more. I have a wellspring that doesn't run dry. There's a place you can dig to beyond all disbelief, beyond all pain, beyond all sin, where the riches of his mercy flows freely, where the fire of God is available. Oh, dig, Pastor Amy, dig. And I live for you alone. This is a holy moment.
1: Every breath that I take.
0: Let's dig. Every, Every moment. moment. a hat on, or a hood down, I hear the Lord saying, it's not religious, I hear the Lord saying, lift your hood so I can see your face, lift your hood so I can see your face.